Come on, you may be seated today in the presence of the Lord. And so good to see everyone this morning on this first day of August. Ah, right? First day of August. Uh, how many of you have, uh, you feel like your air conditioning is running overtime this week? Yeah, 109 heat index yesterday. Crazy. It's like only 70-something today. That's pretty good. I'll take that. I'll take that. Wow, good to see all of you. you guys look amazing today. Welcome this morning officially to New Life Church. We're so thankful for you and uh, are blessed to be with you today. And I'm privileged to be able to bring the word to you today. Listen, I'm going to invite you to turn in the Old Testament back to a book called Nehemiah. Nehemiah. And um, I, uh, I pray that uh, today will be a, a time that will uplift us and the word will stir us. And so I want to preach a message that I've titled, My Destiny, God's Purpose. My Destiny, God's Purpose. I just want to preface this, first of all, with a few scriptures. It'll be on the screen here out of the Passion Translation. Ephesians 1 verse 11 says this. It says, Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. Come on, somebody say destiny. Hebrews 13, 21 out of the Passion says, May he, God, work perfection into every part of you, giving you all that you need to fulfill your destiny. And may he express through you all that is excellent and pleasing to him through your life union with Jesus, the anointed one who is to receive all glory forever. Amen. Somebody say destiny. Philippians 2.13 out of the Passion says, God will continually revitalize you implanting within you the passion to do what pleases Him. We were born with a God-given destiny. And that part of that destiny overall is to fulfill the purpose and the plan that God has for each one of our lives. I know there are times that we don't feel like it's happening, or we don't feel like we are stepping in that or maybe walking in that sometimes based on life, based on situations, maybe based on how we are doing or whatever it might be. But God, through Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, has put within us everything that we need as a born-again believer to fulfill the purpose and the destiny of God for our life. He works in our life, and He helps in our life, and He helps us to move forward into what pleases Him. He gives us the ability, the power, the grace to sustain us, equip us in order to walk out a life that is well-pleasing to him. As Paul wrote to the Philippians, he puts within you this passion 
to do what pleases him. And you know, when we yield our life to him, as James started this service out with, when we just go in with an all yes and a surrender to God, God puts to work this passion within us to want to just please him with how we live and what we do with our life. We are given and we are born with a destiny by God, our creator. And we're going to look at this story here in Nehemiah. We're going to look at it in an angle that, that talks about uh, how he was able to fulfill a role in God's purpose and had stepping out and, and stepping into his destiny at the time. And um, Nehemiah really at this point in time, his destiny, God had fashioned him for a purpose at, at, a, at a given point in time to, to rebuild the walls of, of Jerusalem. You see, what was going on was God's people had been in captivity for a period of time. And uh, they were being uh, allowed to go back to their homeland. And many uh, were returning back to Judah into the city of Jerusalem. And one of the main first tasks at the time was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And to leave them undone and to not rebuild the walls would show a sign of of trouble. A a, a sign of of, of desolation. A sign that that they they were not able to get their life back on track with what God had for them. And so they were in this place and they were struggling to do that. They They were excited to get back, but yet they were overwhelmed. They were overcome by the task that was at hand. And they had been in this place of captivity and here they were being set free to run wild again with the Lord and, 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 and create the future generations again for God's purposes. But yet they were in this struggle time. Anybody have struggle moments? Come on, anybody in church going to be honest? Anybody have struggle moments where it's like, I know God wants me here. I know this is what he wants me to do. I know this is where I should be, but yet I'm struggling and, and I'm finding it hard to progress. I'm finding it difficult and challenging to get motivated and to maybe find some traction spiritually again and, and different things like that. And so that's where they were at. And Nehemiah had learned what was going on. He had stayed uh, back and he he had found out what was going on and he was like you know this that's not that's not good somebody needs to do something about this anybody ever see an issue and a, a problem or or something going on and you're like man somebody should do something about that somebody should really fix that and and sometimes it is someone else's responsibility to do that but sometimes God allows us to see things because he expects us to do something about it he expects us to pray about it he expects us to get involved in some capacity and and get ourselves engaged into being a solution and not just someone who talks about problems amen and so that's that's where we find Nehemiah and his story teaches us that, you know, no matter what it is, whatever it is, whatever God has assigned you to, whatever purpose he has created you for, and whatever the time frame that it might be that he has assigned you in, here's the deal. Give yourself completely to it. If, it's, if, if you know it's, it's temporary or maybe it's, it's, it's for eternity, for here on out, this is what you're doing. Give yourself completely to it. And we see that Nehemiah teaches us, that, has that spirit of being able to give himself completely to something that God has called him to. And doesn't mean it will, be, it will always be easy, because it's not, but it will always be worth it. You can never apologize for being obedient to the Lord. 
You can never apologize for being obedient to the Lord. There are some times when you're obedient to God that people will not understand you. There are times when you're obedient to the Lord that it, it doesn't even make logical sense sometimes to actually do this thing and be a part of whatever it is God has assigned you to. But when, he, when, he, when you know you're being obedient to him, you can't apologize for that. And it, again, it doesn't mean that the process will not have any pain or difficulty, but it will always be worth it because of your obedience to the Lord. And so we're going to look at a few ways here, uh, three, in fact, that uh, we can glean from the steps of Nehemiah, his, the spirit of Nehemiah, this pattern of Nehemiah that helped him to fully give himself completely to the destiny, to the purpose that God had for him at that time. Number one was this, he reinforced his relationship with God above everything. First and foremost, he heard about the news, he heard about the story, he heard about the struggle, he heard about the setback, he heard about the problem, and he's like, you know, before I get involved in anything, I got to make sure my life is right with God. I got to reinforce my relationship with my God first above everything, because here's the deal, before you can help anybody else with their issues, you got to make sure your life is front and center with the Lord. I'm not talking about perfection and you, and you got it all worked out and you ain't got any problems or anything like that. I'm talking about deep within the heart of your heart, you know you are faithful to the Lord. And if you are faithful and devoted to the Lord, God can use you to help other people. And so Nehemiah was like, you know, I get it. That's heavy to hear. I'm sad to hear that story. I don't like to hear it, and somebody needs to do something, but here's what I got to do first. I got to pray, and I got to get before God, and I got to reinforce my relationship with him. And, we, the, and here's what happens in verse, uh, verse 4, Nehemiah 1.4. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting excited today. He said, when I heard this, I heard the news. He said, I sat down and I wept. And in fact, for days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed to the God of heaven. Before he did anything, before he gave a word of advice, before he sent an Insta text or got on Insta chat or whatever it's called, whatever it might be. What, I know I'm sounding real old and I'm only just 45. I, I know, right? I should know better. Quit getting in stuff that I don't know anything about. He just prayed. Aaron, he just prayed. He's tw- he quit trying to be cool like I'm trying to be today. He recognized he just needs to pray. Come on, somebody. He just prayed. And here's what he began to pray. He recognized first the supremacy of God. He cried out to the Lord. I don't, I, don't, I don't have all these verses on the screen, but he can read that there in chapter 1. He cried out and he recognized the supremacy of God. That God above everything, you are above everything. Then he repented. He showed that, hey, God, I'm, we're, we are sorry. You say if we would turn back to you, you would turn to us and you would help us. You see, that's what repentance does. Repentance isn't about making yourself look this way or look that way. It's about simply turning to the Lord. And when we turn to the Lord, God turns to us and God helps us. And he repented not only for himself, but on behalf of all the people. He was like, we made mistakes, but here we are. 
we're turning back to you today, God. And you will help. And then he said, you know, I'm going to just resolve to just serve the Lord. I'm going to resolve to just serve God with my whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. In fact, that's what Jesus summed up the whole Old Testament law and prophets. They asked him one day, hey, what's the greatest command, Jesus? And he's like, well, it's really kind of summed up in this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's where Nehemiah found himself. You see, when we go to reinforce our relationship with God, what we're doing is we're not going to him to try to dot our I's and cross our T's. We're not going to him to try to clean ourselves up and make ourselves look presentable. We just simply go to him in the mess and the struggles that we find ourselves in. And then it's his job. It's the Holy Spirit's role to then come to work in our heart. Go to bat for us and stand up for us and give us the grace and the strength and the wisdom and the direction and all the help that we need in our walk with God. But it starts with a reinforce, a surrender to the Lord. If you and I are going to fulfill the role of God in our life, the purpose of God, what he has for us, our destiny, it starts by making sure our relationship with him is solid foremost. I'm not talking about trying to look religious. I'm talking about just being honest with God and going to him and making, you're making yourself available to him and vulnerable to him and saying, Lord, here I am. See me in this state I'm in. But at the same time, I don't want to just stay where I'm at. Nehemiah got to the end of his prayer, and he's like, I am resolving to, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to give my heart, soul, mind, and strength to the Lord. I'm going to do something with my life that makes God proud. I'm going to do something for my life, with my life that God has called me to. I'm going to give my strength to him. I'm going to give my mind to him. I'm going to give my heart to him. I'm going to give myself to him. Paul writes it in Romans 12, hey, make your bodies a living sacrifice before God. Jump in, go all in with God and you'll never regret it a day in your life. Go all in with what he has for you. And that's where Nehemiah found himself. Before he could do anything, he reinforced his relationship. And then secondly, chapter 2. You guys with me? Secondly, Nehemiah then relied on the right people. God always will use He relied on the right people. Chapter 2, verse 12. Nehemiah got to Jerusalem, and here's what he said. After he got there three days later, he said he slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with him. He said, I had not told anyone about the plans that God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. Verse 17. They surveyed the property. They surveyed the situation, and they got together in a little, little staff meeting, if you will, a little team meeting. He said, but now... He said, I said to them, he said, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been destroyed by fire. He said, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king of Persia. And he said, they replied at once, you're stupid, Is that? Oh, my bad. They replied at once, let's rebuild the wall. And so they began 
the good work. Reinforcing your relationship with God and relying on the right people in your life. You see, you can't have the right people unless you have the right God. Because the right God knows the right people that, he, that you need in your life. Don't put people before God, but let God bring the right people in your life for the right time frame, the right season, and all that God wants to do by using them in your life and vice versa. We relied on the right people. These are people who respect you for who you are. Verse 12, it said that he took just a few and he didn't share any of his plans that God put in his heart. In other words, these people that he chose that were, that were brought into his life, he was like, they, were, they respected him enough to not bug him. To not bug him. Hey, what, what, what are we going to do? What are we gonna, what's going on? What, are we gonna, what kind of game plan we got? What you got going on? What secrets do you know? What, what have you been told? What, what, which direction are we going to go? They respected him enough to just let him be himself with them for a little bit. So I didn't tell anybody about these plans that God put in my heart because those people weren't there just for themselves. They were there because they were there by the assignment of God. And that's how God will set people up in our life. There are people that God sets up in our life. They're not gonna, they, some may there be there for a lifetime. Others may be there just for moments and different seasons of life. But relying on the right people, first of all, you need to know you got to have people in your life who respect you for who you are. They respect the boundaries you set in place. They respect your convictions and all of those things. And then secondly, is people who aren't repelled by you. People who aren't repelled by you. Got to verse 17 and he had this real talk with them. And he was like, you see the condition of Jerusalem. It is awful. Life is horrible. Things are not going well. You see the landscape of the situation. These were people that not only respected Nehemiah, but people who were not repelled by the condition of life at the time. You see, we got to have some people in our life who aren't repelled by our messiness. We can't be afraid to be a little messy in front of people who really love us. Quit hiding. Quit trying to fake it till you make it. Just let it all hang out. Be real, right? Be raw. And the real, the real ones, they're going to still stand with you. They're going to still stand with you. You see, religion teaches us to dress it up. Religion teaches us to, to play the part. But relationship with God says... Just be real. Just be real. Let people know life is not that great right now. Let people know you tired, as Pastor Lindsay preached last week. I'm done. Right? It's okay. It's okay. But then also have people who are ready to help you. Verse 18, he told them, and he's like, look, we got to do this thing. And they were like, at once. You know, right? You, you are right, Nehemiah. We have got to do this. We are with you. We are ready to help you. You see, if you don't have people in your life who, who are willing to push you and pull you to get you closer to Jesus and walk in your purpose, those are the kind of people you don't really need to be with right now. 
You need to learn how to distance yourself from people who aren't willing to go out of their way to help push you and pull you to Jesus. So I'm reminded of this story in Mark chapter 2. There was this paraplegic guy on a mat. He had four friends. Well, we found out how good of a friend, how good of a friend they really were. They were trying to go hear Jesus preach in this house. And they got there, and the crowd was so crazy, so big. They were all, it was hanging out the windows, hanging out the doors so large. They were like, they could have been like, you know, friend, we love you, and we're sorry. We tried. We tried to get you to Jesus. We know you need him. We see the terrible condition you're in, but there's just no way to get to him. And we're just going to leave you right out here. Or you could actually, do, they did what, they, what the story shows. They, they went up on top of the roof. They tore open the, tore the shingles off. They got down inside, tore a hole in the roof, and then put the, the stretcher on some rope or something and let him down. And they let him down right in front where Jesus was preaching and teaching and ministering. And Jesus ended up healing the guy. And it was a big old story. I mean, it was a big write-up. It was huge. It was, it was viral. I got that one right. See, we can either have friends who will push us and pull us away from Jesus and our purpose, or we can have the kind of friends and the right people in our life who will push us and pull us towards Jesus. And friends, you're going to want the ones who push you and pull you towards Jesus, towards your purpose, towards your destiny. I remember having some, some hard conversations early on, uh, post high school, early college, where I was trying to figure out life, and I thought, I'll do this, I'll do that. And I had some friends come talk to me one day, and they were like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? You can't be doing that, acting this way, thinking you can go that way and still fulfill what God has for your life. They gave me some wake-up call conversations. They laid the smack down on me. Thank God there were people like that in my life then and there are people in my life now who will help push and pull me closer to what the Lord has for my life. And those are the kind of people you can never go wrong with. You can never go wrong with. And Nehemiah found that out. And then lastly... Not only reinforce his relationship with God, relied on the right people. Then here, here's the part where the rubber meets the road. He resisted the enemy consistently. He resisted the enemy consistently. You know, as soon as we say yes to the things of God, have you ever found yourself in an instant struggle? You know, you pray real sincere prayers of devotion and commitment and faith and hope and giving it all to the Lord. And then it's like, man, you walk out the door and everything falls apart. Things go wrong. You're like, what? The enemy does not like it when anyone acknowledges No one. And then you go and make a heartfelt commitment to him and you're going to step up your faith and you're going to do this or do that and yield to the Lord and let the fruit of the Spirit work instead of whatever else. And it's like, man, you're going to feel like you're in this tug of war sometimes. And that's what was going on here in the life of Nehemiah. You see, we can have... We reinforce our relationship with God. Having a solid relationship with God. Having the right kinds of relationships working in our life. 
Those help to create this inner fortitude to be able to resist the enemy. But we have to be willing to resist the enemy. We can't just be cool and okay with, I feel good with God, I feel good with people, and the enemy doesn't like me, so I guess I'll just hide out. I guess I'll just lay low. I guess I'll fly, kind of hopefully fly under the radar. You see, friends, it doesn't work that way. We're in a spiritual warfare, a spiritual battle. The Bible teaches us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, and the fight we're in is not flesh and blood. Man, it's spiritual. That's why you can be on high one day with the Lord, and the next day wake up and feel bombarded with, with a heaviness that comes out of nowhere because the enemy knows where to push. He knows how to tug. He knows how to get at us. And we have to, be, we have to resist the enemy. And here's, I hate to tell you this, but it's the truth. I'll tell you up front, consistently. 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 Hit repeat. Consistently. It, he doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. Because if we find in Nehemiah's story, the enemy will try to get us to doubt God's will. Look at it, verse 19. Here they were, they, they committed to do this, rebuild the wall. They were going to be about God's purpose. Man, Nehemiah had the right people. He was solid in his relationship with God. And then, verse 19, the enemy, it says, When Samballot, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously, and they said, What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? God, trying to get them to doubt God's Will you commit yourself to what the Lord has and then the enemy will come and try to play with you, try to mess with you. Are you sure this is what God wants? I mean, it's been going around since the beginning. Adam and Eve came in, came up to Eve, the serpent. Are you sure God said if you eat it, you'll die? See, the enemy likes to get us to doubt God's will for our life. But here's what Nehemiah teaches us. The enemy may have had come to him to get him to try to doubt God's will. But when the enemy comes at us to get us to try to doubt God's will, Nehemiah says, no, what did God say? He restated God's purpose. He restated God's purpose. The very next verse, he spoke up and he told them, hey, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding the wall. You see, when the enemy tries to come at you to get you to doubt God's will for your life at that point in time, come back to him with what God has already stated to you. Restate God's purpose. Restate what it is God has said to do. I remember when I first moved here, uh, had some conversations with people. They wanted to make sure that I heard heard the Lord before we moved our family here and did what we're doing. And they said, you gotta, you'll, you'll, you'll experience some difficult and challenging times pastoring the church, but you got to know, did God call you there? Did God call you there? Did God call you there? And any time the enemy came and tried to get me to doubt God's will, maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe God didn't call me here. I had to go back to God called me here. God's will had to be restated from my mouth to God's ears back to my heart so that my spirit 
and my soul did not yield to the temptation to doubt God's will. Restate God's purpose when the enemy comes at you to get you to doubt God's will. Be bold in that. If you've got it written down, read it. It, What if it's in your heart? Whatever it is, recite it and restate God's purpose for you. And then the enemy, though, is like, well, that didn't work, so what else can I try? The enemy came at him and tried to get him to doubt himself. Tried to get him to doubt himself. Chapter 4, verse 1 says this. Samballot was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and he mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samaritan army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they really think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering up a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? And Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked along the top of it. These dudes were not pulling any punches. They were going after it. They were livid. Threw himself in a rage. The enemy will try to get you to doubt yourself. Do you really have what it takes? Anybody ever wondered that? Do I have it within me to actually do this? Do I have the wit, the wisdom, the strength, the ability, whatever it takes to actually accomplish this? And what we have to remember is what Nehemiah did. He shows us. He heard what was being said to try to get what the enemy was doing to try to get him to doubt himself. Did I really hear God? Did I, did I, do I, do we, can this wall stand? Are our prayers any... Are they even making a difference? Is our work and our effort really making a difference? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just, it was just a hopeless dream. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. And then we would try to get you to doubt yourself. And Nehemiah's like, you know what? I need to remember something. I need to remember God's greatness in me. And he got alone and he prayed. He got alone and prayed. And he remembered the greatness inside of him. He remembered that he's, the greatness in him was not himself, but it was the great one alive for him on his side. See, the Bible teaches us that, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead actually lives inside of you. You're born again. That same spirit lives in you. And I got off on greatness a couple of weeks ago. I'm not going to re-preach that, but greatness, you need to remember that greatness is in you. If you are born again, greatness resides in you. It's alive in you, chomping at the bit to just be active in your life. And Nehemiah, feeling this, feeling this, doubt, doubting himself, and he got alone and prayed. And when he got alone and prayed and got with God, here's what happened. He remembered the greatness of God on the inside of him. And then he said they had completed half the wall around the city. Then this, the enemy didn't stop there. The enemy then tried to bring confusion into his life. Verse 7, 
It says, when Sambal and Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being, prepared, were being repaired, so they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into a confusion. The enemy's tactic is to bring confusion and chaos into our life. Anybody ever go through a day or go through a week and you're like, man, something just ain't making sense. Something's just not right. It just doesn't make any sense for this to be happening this way. You might have some people cheering for you one day and then the next day you got people against you. For no reason. The only thing that changed was time. The day. One day you, you can see clearly, the next day it seems so cloudy. Enemy likes to bring chaos and confusion into our life. To get us in a clouded view of God and what God has called us to do with our life. He likes to make it cloudy. He doesn't like to make it clear. He doesn't make it crystal clear. It makes it muddy and makes it murky. It makes it very challenging and difficult sometimes to, to try to figure out what's right and what's wrong, what's true and what's not. See, when we find ourselves in that place, here's what we have to do like Nehemiah did. We have to reinforce our position. Reinforce our position. So Nehemiah got these threats from the enemy that was trying to bring confusion to them. And he reinforced his position with the people. He got the people to take guard, to take their place, and to take their part. He had them set up in different ways all around the city and position themselves in a way that would guard the city. He had some that would work and some that would hold weapons and swords and spears. And he set them up in a place where everybody got not only in a position of of guarding and in a place, but then they also had their part to play. They had their part to play. You see, when the enemy comes at us to try to bring confusion to our life, does, what, is, what is God wanting me to do? What does he have? For, how does he want to use my life? See, if he can get you to just kind of just get uh, paralyzed in that position of wondering and never taking your spot, never taking your place, never making yourself available to the Lord, then the enemy has taken over. He is one. He's cool with that. He's cool if you just lay low. He's cool if you just kind of bow. He's cool if you just kind of are, 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 are just trapped in your footsteps at the moment and not do anything, not go anywhere, just kind of you're there. But Nehemiah reinforced his position. And then lastly, when the enemy was constantly and consistently coming at him, the enemy tried to intimidate him to quit. Tried to intimidate him to quit. And what did the MI do? Look at verse 9. It said, they were all just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. Depending on the translation there, it goes in to show that Nehemiah went and prayed and he sought the Lord. And that determination that he found didn't come from himself. But it came from the power of God working in his life. Nehemiah refreshed himself 
in God's presence. You see, when you feel like the enemy's at you to get you to quit, to throw in the towel, whatever it is, you need to go back to refresh yourself in the presence of God. Spend time alone with Jesus. Spend time alone with Him. Spend time alone with Him and refresh yourself in His presence. The Bible teaches us in Galatians 6. It says, Let us not grow weary in well-doing. For if we don't give up, we will experience a great harvest. See, the enemy wants you to lose heart. He wants you to grow weary in doing well. But sometimes, let's face it, sometimes doing well gets tiring, doesn't it? Sometimes you wonder, I've been going and going and going and going, and I'm like, will anything shift? Will anything change? Anybody been paying attention to the Olympics this week? A few? I love to watch swimming. It's amazing. They can be on, a, on the 1,500-meter swim. That's a long one. And you watch them. And they have this pace they go at to start with. And about, about the last lap or two, you see their speed increase. And then you, that's the ones who win the gold or the silver or the bronze. But the other ones who don't make it to the podium often trail. They, they lose themselves. They get tired. They're doing good. They're doing the right motion. They're going about it with the right technique, headed in the right direction. But they just didn't have enough stamina to stay ahead and to stay with the leaders of the pack. And that's what you mean. You name a name, Ledecky. Go back a few years, Phelps, whatever. Those names pop up. Why? Because those people won golds. Those people did not grow weary in well-doing. You see, the enemy, friends, wants the saints, wants the church, wants the body of Christ to grow weary in well-doing. Because over time, doing well over time produces great benefits, produces great harvest. If we keep going and keep doing well over time, pretty soon things start happening. Souls become saved. The lost are found. People's lives are changed because of the light of Christ that's on the inside of you. We were in Memphis a few weeks ago, and uh, we stopped at a place to eat lunch, and I was up at the counter eating or ordering, and uh, something happened with my order. I didn't get my food. And I was telling the family, I was like, I didn't, y'all got y'all's, but I didn't get mine. I looked at the ticket. They didn't even ring it up. I'm like, well, I'm never going to get it if I don't go back up there. And the line was long, and I just kind of stepped to the side and motioned. The lady's like, what's up? I said, we, we had an exchange a while ago. I paid you. You gave food. I didn't get food. And she's like, oh, yeah, 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 what, what, what happened, what happened? And I was like, well, I didn't get my order. It didn't ring up. And she goes, what'd you have? All right, let me ring it up, no problem. While I'm standing there waiting, the manager comes up to me, and he's like, is this guy giving you a hard time talking to the cashier to me about me? And he was joking. 
And she's like, no, he's all cool. It's all good. And, and uh, I, was, I was nice. I promise you, I was nice. And, and, um, and he goes, man, there's something about you. There's this aurora about you. You must do something special. And I told him what I did. And he goes, that's it. That's it. I knew it, man. I still had to pay for my food, but... Uh, It was worth it, too. It was Memphis barbecue, okay? I love Memphis barbecue. It was good. And, but that just, I went back to the table and told the crew there at the, at the table what happened. They go, look at you. Look at God working in you out here in public. You didn't even do anything. I'm like, I didn't even act like any. I thought, man, I'm just here trying to order some food, man. Just trying to get my grub on, you know what I'm saying? he's like seeing hopefully that was Jesus he was seeing <laughs> and not my starvation I'm famished but I, I, I don't know if we, if we just if I could just learn to keep living like that and quit trying to live like my way and just try to live his way he tends to shine and he tends to make things okay he has a way of making it all right. And that's what happened when Nehemiah said they built the wall in 52 days. Rebuilt an entire city wall in 52 days. And then here's what he said. Chapter 6, verse 15, 16, right around in there. Said, the enemy and everyone around got scared because they saw that we did this with the help of God. Friend, you want to build a great life? You want to have a great life? You don't build a great life and have a great life to make the enemy scared of you unless God is helping you. Now, the enemy doesn't leave you alone just because God helps you, but when the enemy learns and finds out you're not a quitter, you're not a throwing in the towel kind of person, you're not a back down kind of dude. But when you stand in there and you stay with God and you let God be strong in you and you surround yourself with the right people and you stay focused with what God has for your life, the enemy realizes something about you and the generations coming after you. They are for real. They are serious. They are marked by God. And the enemy will still try his ways but believe you me, he will not succeed. Hell has fought too hard and fought too long. But God is still on the throne. God is still saving people. God is still calling people. God is still using people. God is still doing a thing in this world, despite what any news outlet might say. The enemy still tries to scare us, but God is still reigning in our life. God is still on. He's not backing down. God's not afraid. God's not asleep. God's not tucking tail and running like, oh, I made a mistake. No, God's calling you. Rise up. Be great. Be who I called you to be. Be who I created you to be. Don't back down. Don't let the enemy intimidate you. Don't fall for his tactics and doubt, doubt what I have and doubt who you are. 
No, restate who you are in Christ. Restate the purpose of God for your life. Be determined. It might be hard some days, but it will be worth it in the long run. Amen? Will you stand? I'll pray with you. It's sad, but true. Some people will not fulfill their purpose in God. For different reasons. Some will just never really surrender completely to the Lord. They won't reinforce that relationship with God. Some will grow spiritually apathetic because they refuse to allow the right people in their life. The kind of people who will push them and pull them closer to the Lord. And there are some who are just going to quit. There are some who will just quit. But who will you be? What kind of person will you be? Talking about my destiny. God's purpose. You see, each one of you are uniquely formed and created in the image of God. Each of you are tailored by the Lord himself for a specific cause, for a specific purpose. That no one else will do what you are called to do the way you will do it. No one else. Life's too short to squander my destiny, God's purpose. Come on, say that to yourself. Say, my destiny. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, my destiny, God's purpose. My destiny, God's purpose. Gracie, the Lord wants to remind you of something today. Your destiny, His purpose. That you don't have to compare yourself to anybody else. You don't have to look around and wonder about anybody else. God wants you to know He loves you for you. He loves you for you. And he has a specific call for you. He says, so don't worry about what anybody else is doing or what anyone else thinks of you. God has surrounded you with the right people. And these people around you are going to help you. Listen to them. They're going to help you. God has a destiny his purpose for your life. There's some things that you've been worried about. you kind of been like, I feel it and do you, do you see it, God? And you've had a hard time trying to express it. Been trying to wait, find ways to try to talk about it and get it out. 
but then you still find yourself in a place of uncertainty and kind of in a place of being unsure. The Lord says he's going to help you navigate this year. He said, as you yield to me, he said, I got you. I know how to work it out. I know how to take you, lead you, and get you where you need to be. So don't, again, similar word, don't worry about what other people are doing. Focus on me, the Lord says. I'm focused on you. And I love you, he says. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. The Lord told me about just a couple of weeks ago. This New Life Church is an established church. It's not going anywhere. But he said, in this season, focus on building people up. So I say that to say you're going to hear different ones of us preach and minister at times. Last week was a a very prophetic preaching word that Lindsay brought to our church. And then it was just a couple of weeks ago, Dr. Lanise Reynolds was here, prophesied on like crazy. Then Lord used me a week or two ago as well. Here's what I just want to say with all that is, Be ready. Be open to the blowing of the Holy Spirit in our church. Come ready. Come receptive. Come just just come and God is building up our church in different ways. His Spirit is present.